I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 35. And Luke, the author, is writing, But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sacred scriptures. Thank you for giving us your word. And thank you that Jesus came and lived your word and showed and displayed you, the true living God. Thank you, Father, that the scriptures are there to encourage us and to strengthen us, to rebuke us, to teach us, and to train us in righteousness. And I, and I pray, Father, that you would allow these scriptures to do that, that we wouldn't just sit here and become mere hearers and delude ourselves, but we will take the word to our heart and apply it and become doers of your word. Help us, Father, help us to embrace the cross, help us to reflect on the cross and to, to embrace Christ for what all he accomplished for us. And we thank you. Thank you now, Father, for this morning that we can all gather around your word. Thank you again for sustaining this church and helping this church get through this difficult time. Thank you for looking after everybody in the congregation. And we praise you for this, Father. But help us now to come with a faithful heart, a God-honoring heart, to hear what your word has to say to our minds and our hearts, our whole being, as we preach the full counsel of God. Have mercy upon us, Father. Have mercy upon me. Help me to be clear and understood. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week I, I ended with our second or our first quality, and this morning we'll soon look at our second quality, and we're looking at Paul the faithful servant. This is basically what we see Paul through the whole book of Acts. He's a faithful servant. He loves Christ, he embraces his truths, and he goes and makes Christ known. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And the resurrection you will see in the book of Acts is vitally important to preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel of Christ Jesus. Leave it out. And it's not a gospel. So here we see Paul, the faithful servant. Yes, they've been punished for what they were doing. They were thrown in prison. They were beaten. And now we see they are going to leave and move on. But the question I ask ourselves, are we seen as a faithful servant? And let's look at ourselves in this church. Do people see us? Do they talk about us as a faithful servant? And it's important, because faithfulness gets us to our destination. 
If we're not faithful, how do we get into heaven? How do we receive the crown of life? You will not receive the crown of life. Um, John writes in his vision on Patmos, saw Christ seated on a white horse and who sat upon it is called faithful and true. Then he writes as well in the book of Revelation, be faithful unto death. The Lord assures his followers and I will give you the crown of life. Faithfulness is so important. Not now to be perfected and be a perfectionist in faithfulness because we know we sin and God forgives us. But how faithful are we to our calling, to our attendance to church, to our attendance to the things that go on in the church? We've been called to be faithful. Not to do as we please. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. We belong to God. We've been welcomed into His kingdom. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we belong to God through the precious blood of Christ. It cost Him something to purchase our salvation. Jesus was faithful. He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And because of his faithfulness, the Father highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Why? Because of his faithfulness. Faithfulness is essential to our walk with God. And by faithful, I mean we... we want to love and support an organization or a person or something no matter what comes our way no matter what goes through our life we 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 faithfully support this organization or person and and the living organization is or this church is a living organism it's the church and the person is god you you heard go listen to part one and listen to my introduction there. And I shared about a man called Campbell Morgan. Who was told he would never make it as a pastor. He would never make it as a preacher. And he went home rejected. And his dad said, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. And he became a mighty preacher. He served in Westminster Chapel for 23 years preaching the gospel. And his first sermon he ever preached was at the age of 13. But he was told by an institution... That he would never make it in the ministry. He has another man that was told, do not go to this island. There are cannibals there that are going to kill you. Do not go. He was spoken down. He, was, he had, a, had, a, had a calling to go to the new Hebrides island. And I shared this with our home fellowship group on, on Wednesday. And his name was John Payton. John Payton was told, don't go to these people. That is, just leave them for Satan, let them go to hell, basically. Satan wouldn't listen to him. Why? Because he was faithful to the church and to his calling, to his God. And he wanted to serve on this island. He knew he was going to be in danger. But he could not neglect the awful danger of the unsaved and prayed that he might be the means of bringing the perishing to the Saviour. That is faithfulness. He didn't allow anything to distract him. No matter what was coming into his life, he went. 
And when Peyton arrived on the island of Tana in 1858, he discovered the dangers firsthand. The depths of Satan were uncovered there before his eyes in the daily life of the people. And he wrote, My plan was to live amongst these people, earn their trust, learn their language, and bear testimony to the cleansing blood of Christ. We have the Lamb's blood to take out there and destroy all the false strongholds that are against this church and the churches. And he does this. But he relied on the most important thing. He trusted only in the Lord and he trusted in prayer. He prayed to Christ, either you take me home or you protect me. And he prayed. And soon, after I don't know how many years or months, he was able to speak of sin and salvation to these people. And during his 25 years on the island of Tana, Peyton was used by God to converse most of these people and establish strong churches. That is the power of the gospel for salvation. And that is a faithful man, standing firm in what he believes. And he doesn't allow his emotions to cause him to be distracted. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want to look at Paul, this faithful servant that was beaten down and kept standing up, fighting the good fight for Christ. He was a soldier. He was an athlete. He was a farmer. And he was a teacher. Soldier to fight the good fight. Farmer to sow the good seed. Athlete to run the good race. And a teacher to teach the truths in the hearts and the lives of people. The gospel is the only thing that's going to save the people outside this church. Not government, not the police, not the army, not the air force, and not your word, but the gospel. The true living gospel, which is all about Christ, and it's the power of God for salvation to, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. So what does a faithful servant look like? Well, we're going to look at this. But like I said last week, and I, I've probably fit into the same category before God called me to be a pastor. And it's amazing. And I say this sensitively, and I say this understanding. But if we all had to be honest and true to ourselves, we are more faithful to our work than we are to our church. We don't go to work as we please. We don't do work as we please. We would lose our jobs. But somehow we do that in the church. We come to church when we please. We do as we please. Like I said, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. We need to realize, we need to change our attitude and become faithful witnesses for Christ. So let's look at Paul. But before we move on and look at our second quality, which is encouragement, we're going to just going to recap on our first quality that showed Paul was a faithful servant. And our first quality was Paul's concern. You might be looking at verses 35 to 39 and saying, Mark, well, there's nothing about concern there, but it, it does. Paul does what he does in verses 35 to 39 because he is concerned for the new Christians, this new church that has been planted in Philippi. 
Paul is worried about what's going to happen to them if he doesn't show these magistrates, these authorities, what wrong they did to him and Silas. And this is how I came to, to this first quality. Reading around, there's this beautiful quote, and it's about Paul. Ever the faithful shepherd, concerned for his flock, Paul knew he had to take steps to protect the newborn Philippine church from official government harassment. And we see in verses 35 to, 30, 35 to 36 of Acts chapter 16, we see in these verses that they've been asked to go in peace. The policeman comes back and tells them, that you guys can go. The magistrate said you can go. But in verse 37, there's a problem. Paul says, no, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and we have, and they have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. Paul and Silas could have just ducked. Silas, let's just get out of here. You've got a one-way ticket. Let's just run to the next town. And maybe before that, we just sit under a tree and we just sit here and, and recover from our wounds, our beatings we got with these rods that split open their, their skin to bleed. But they don't. They're faithful to their calling. Paul says, no. Like I said, you go. And told the magistrates and these authorities, they must come and take us out personally. Like I said, Paul's concern is that he doesn't want the new Christians to experience the harsh treatment, the abusive treatment, the illegal treatment, and allow it to become the norm for new Christians that come into this church, into the church of Philippi. It was illegal treatment. And the treatment that these magistrates did upon them, they deserve death. And they know it. That's why they come. They're worried. You, you read about it. When they reported these words to the, the, the magistrates, they, they, when they heard this, they were Roman citizens, they came and they apologized to them. They knew what would happen to them. But Paul is also concerned for the crucial existence of the new Christians in the Philippi church. It's crucial to their existence. And Paul got their attention. And they came and they apologized. Are we concerned for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we go to them, warn them, help them? Are we concerned for the folk in our church? You can learn more of that, this point if you go back and listen to part one last Sunday. Now, Jesus was someone that was concerned. He came and he walked around. He, 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 he was involved in individual lives. He was caring, sensitive, loving friend who personally interacted in the lives of everybody. He didn't select like-minded or cliques. Putting this in my words, reading around, so often we come to church and think we have done a good deed. We waltz into the building, sit down, listen, get back, 
into our car, go home and carry on with our own business. What God, God help us if that is our perspective of what church should be. That's nominal Christian living. Come and go as you please. True Christian living is staying behind, fellowshipping. I understand at times we have to get out quickly for a reason. I understand that. I'm not trying to make anybody guilty or feel bad. Don't. But if you know you're wrong, then do something about it. God has saved us into a family to love one another, to care for one another. We have your family at home. And then you have your broader, bigger family, your church family. And we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're one in Christ. His blood has brought us into this family. Where we, where we fellowship, where we help each other. Like we have to get through this lockdown. Our people help, support it, pray, meals. Are we concerned for one another? And this is a good first quality to go and reflect on. We saw this in Paul's life. We saw this in Jesus' life. We saw this in, in John Payton's life. In Campbell Morgan's life. Many other saints that have gone and sacrificed and laid down their lives for brothers and sisters in Christ. But Paul, in his humility, he counted others more significant than himself. He was willing to lay down his life and do what he could to honour God. The second quality that showed Paul as the faithful servant was his encouragement. Wow, was he a man of encouragement. The more he was knocked down, the more he got up and encouraged in a bigger way. If you know, most of his letters were written from prison. He didn't get into prison and then just sit in a corner and sulk. His greatest concern was for the churches. And all his encouragement came through the letters. Writing from prison. Always praying for the churches. Always wanting to help them, warn them, and give some word of encouragement. And word of encouragement can mean to exhort, come alongside, comfort, or encourage someone through, through words. And it's activity. And it's something we've got to, we got to do. We've got to learn to encourage one another. God has given us the greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, our encourager, our helper. God has put His Spirit in our hearts. And as you read the Word, this Holy Spirit can illuminate, illuminate the Scriptures, teach us these truths, and encourage us to endure our race. Endure no matter what we go through. He is sufficient for our lives. But it's how much are you faithfully as a faithful servant looking to the scriptures for help. What a great God we serve. We have to embrace that, not just say it. What it cost Him to help us. And we don't deserve anything. We're unworthy of participation in the Lord's Supper. None of us deserve salvation. But God in His love and kindness chose to love us by saving us. 
All Christians, all of us, are called to encourage others. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. How do we do that? Well, we encourage other through, let's start with technology. You can send an email, you can send a WhatsApp, or you can phone someone. But get better. Put down the phone, go knock on someone's door, and take them out for coffee. Take them out for a milkshake. In summer, it's getting warmer now. Go sit somewhere and have a milkshake. And encourage one another. You don't have to sit there the whole time and talk God's words. You can, you can still talk, small talk, big talk, but then you can also encourage and pray. I'm not saying we must become now this, these, I don't know, you, you, you see these people and they're walking around in shops wherever and they just, they, everything they do, they just praise God like for attention more than sincere and genuineness coming from their hearts. Paul, this great faithful man, he sought to encourage us, like I said, from prison, through letters, through prayers. He writes, therefore encourage one another with these words, and the words are the scriptures. And in verse 40 of Acts chapter 16, we see Paul, like I said, not leaving the city of Philippi. Him and Silas could have just selfishly ducked and just left. They've had enough of all this, this wrong and harmful ill treatment that was given to them by these authorities who beat them with many blows. They thrashed them to the point that, that they needed treatment for their wounds. Paul, this great man of encouragement, they go to Lydia's place and there they want to encourage them. They want to encourage their hearts. They want to encourage these new Christians. They, they want to encourage this new house church that is forming. And it did form. Because 12, 15 years later, Paul writes a letter to the church of Philippi. They still went on. I can tell you, I'll say this. A church cannot exist without a pastor. If you think you can have a church without a pastor, you're looking for trouble. And Paul would have made sure that there were faithful men in this church who looked after the teaching and, 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 and the encouragement. And the only other way he could do it from long distance is to send them a letter and encourage them. I understand when a church is formally planted like this church was and there was visiting preachers, yes, but they were working towards something. There are some churches that just exist out there and they have no interest in calling a pastor. They just want to carry on doing their own thing, have their tea party. But thank God he calls men into the pastorate ministry, not only to preach, but to be a pastor, to, to be a shepherd. Calvin was foremost a pastor before he was a theologian. He was, a, he was a great pastor. He had a pastor's heart and that's what his concern was for people. And he wanted to encourage people. And he did this because he was a faithful man. And here we see Paul. He didn't want to leave this church in their ignorance, in their poverty, starving of the word of God. He knew that, that eventually wolves would come in and devour them. 
So he, he's thinking of their future. That they need to be built up in Christ. They need to be encouraged and, in, and strengthened by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he writes to this church eventually. 12, 15 years later, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Yes, the first day. Yes, basically the first days of this church. And Paul writes 12, 15 years later until now. And they are still in partnership with him and the gospel. His preaching did not fall on deaf ears. God planted a city, he planted a church, and God looked after that church through faithful men. That's what he's doing today. No different. Not men to come and entertain and toy-toy and, and do as they please, but men who will faithfully take up the Scriptures and be found trustworthy with the Scriptures and just share it with the shepherd, the sheep. And he says, I'm sure of this day that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. And Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, he wrote from prison. Yeah, you see his faithfulness and his encouragement. Someone said, no man on earth had a warmer and more devoted heart than the Apostle Paul. Love was the impulse of his whole life and ministry as Christ's Apostle. His love for God that flowed into the love for people strengthened the churches through and by his encouraging heart. Paul laid down his life for the church. He was a humble man and he strengthened the church through Scripture. Why? So that the Holy Spirit could work together with Scripture and have the opportunity to strengthen the inner man, our inner eye, our heart. And this is what Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through the Spirit in your inner being, in our hearts. The eye of our heart. We have the eyes that we see, but there's the eye of the heart that sees spiritually, that needs to be strengthened spiritually. Our inner man, our inner being. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. And we can do that for others if we take the Scriptures to them and encourage them and help them. But do it in love and gentleness. And sometimes, yes, you have to rebuke. But you can do that in love as well. Sometimes it needs firm love. And it's hard sometimes. You have to go tell someone you know that what they're doing is unbiblical. But Paul, he knows that there is a destination where everybody's going to end up, either in heaven or in hell. And it's up to us to go out there and share the gospel of Christ with them, those that are lost, those that are not saved yet. And then be gentle with them and keep praying for them and keep sowing the seed or watering the seed. And for brothers and sisters that are wandering out there, they call themselves Christians, but they're really not living the life. Maybe you've got to go there and we've got to warn them and rebuke them and gently turn them back. I love what um, 
If I can find it, what Paul says to Timothy. Yeah, again, we see a faithful man. We see his encouraging heart. We see his love for, for people, for, 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 for God. The Lord and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. How we take this message how we correct people, how we help people, has got a lot to do with the fruits of the Spirit that are gaining on in our hearts. Peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. The second quality, encouragement, that was seen in this faithful servant Paul. Is it seen in our lives? Are we encouraging people? Are the older men in this church taking out the younger men? And are the younger men taking out even the younger men, down to schoolboys? Are the older women taking out the younger women? And the younger women taking out the schoolgirls? Titus teaches us that. The older women helping the younger married women with young children, coming alongside them, helping them. And men doing the same. These two qualities that we've heard this morning, concern and encouragement, that we've looked at, that showed Paul as this faithful servant. Do we ourselves see ourselves as faithful servants? Because there on the cross, by the blood of the Lamb, God showed us, He demonstrated His faithfulness to us. Because what happened on the cross was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it all been fulfilled in Christ through God's faithfulness. He kept His promises. He decreed that this was going to happen. And it happened. That there would be a day when, when the Messiah would come. But not to conquer the world physically, but to conquer the world spiritually. And if God showed His faithfulness through and by his faithful servant Jesus, how much more should we be faithful? A faithful servant of God. Faithful servants will embrace the cross-bearing death of Jesus and they will be concerned for others. They will want to encourage others. Faithful servants take their eyes off themselves and they fix them on Jesus. They deny themselves and they follow Christ faithfully. Will we be seen like that? Will it be easy? No. We need to encourage each other to fight this good fight and to be found faithful. Well done, my faithful servant. Faithfulness leads to your destination, to receive the crown of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your scriptures. Thank you again. We can look at faithful men. We can see Silas. We can see Paul. We just see your faithfulness here. 
in your word. And thank you that your son is known as faithful and the truth. But help us, Father, please forgive us for we do not always find ourselves concerned for the things that go on in this church or we don't see ourselves encouraging the ones that we should be encouraging. Yes, we encourage people, we get on well, but what about encouraging the unlovely, the difficult? Forgive us, Father. And I thank you for those that are concerned for this church, and I thank you for those that do encourage and do do what your word says. May they be bold and, and, and strong to come alongside us who are not doing it properly, to help us, to gently just remind us that we are here for one another and not ourselves. Help us, Father. Please give us wisdom to endure our walk with you faithfully. Help us to run this race to finish. There's no winner. There's just finishers. And that you will say, well done, my faithful servant. Well done. You were found faithful. Help us, Father, please. Please be merciful to us and forgive us when we do lean on our own understanding and do things on our own eyes. Help us. Pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.